Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. I am super stoked because we had to go international today. Actually, international comes to us today. Our friends serving in the Kingdom of Cambodia, the Sima family of JP and Amy Sima, serving in the Kingdom of Cambodia, joining me in studio today. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning, Amy. Thank you. Good morning, Thank Pastor. You. Great to see you here. Good to have you both here in studio. I value this time when when folks like you who are serving internationally come back to the International Center and carve out some time for us to get to talk with you and and hear your story and learn about the Lord's work where you're given to serve and what that means for you and your family as well. Now, you serve in the kingdom of Cambodia. Most of us here in the States usually just call it Cambodia and don't realize that it's a kingdom. So I realize that I have a lot to learn from you about Cambodia. Can you tell me three different interesting things about Cambodia that maybe I don't know. Sure. Maybe our listeners don't know. Who wants to go first? I So I'll take the first one. One thing that people might not know is that over 50% of Cambodia's population is under 30 years old. So it's a very young country, which certainly lends it a vibrancy. But the reason for this young generation is quite sad. In the late 1970s, uh, the, the, the regime popularly called the, the Khmer Rouge took over Cambodia and actually 25% of the entire country's population was either murdered or starved to death. And so a whole generation of people was wiped out, which then contributes to the high proportion of young in Cambodia. Hmm. On the plus side, that gives us a great opportunity to work with youth in reaching out with the gospel. Wow. All right. Fact number one, what, what percentage was under the age of 30? Over 50%. Over 50%. Wow. All right. That's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. All right, Amy, what do you have for us? Fact number two, Khmer is the longest alphabet in the world with over 70 letters. It's derived from ancient Sanskrit, and it takes a lot of time to learn. So I'm still sort of in the process <laughs> of learning. I definitely cannot read or write. So we're kind of like at a kindergarten level of speaking, but JP has had much more time and opportunity to study Mm -hmm. and is able to preach in Khmer and can actually read and write. Over 70 characters. Letters. Oh, letters. Yeah. Yeah. Between between consonants and vowels and independent vowels, over 70. It is a beast of a language, but beautiful once you Uh can understand it. It just takes time. Wow. That's fascinating. Okay. One more fact. Well, 98% of Cambodia's population is Buddhist. And it's interesting in Cambodia, the national and the religious identities are merged together. In other words, to be Cambodian is to be Buddhist. And this presents a number of challenges when we connect with people with the gospel and and certainly call them to come to faith in Christ. When they do that, they are perceived by others as almost walking away from their identity as Cambodian people. And so it's it's always a difficult task to navigate that conversion where we want them 
to, of course, come to Christ, to come to faith in him. But at the same time, we want those around them to still see them as Cambodians, that this is a viable option to be both Cambodian and Christian. And that's a work that's still in progress. Hmm. For we might hear the term Buddhist, but many Americans might not necessarily know what that entails. What are some of the, the common things about Buddhist beliefs well, that, to, that we don't know? To be honest, it's even more complicated than you're imagining because Buddhism is actually then put on top of really the only indigenous religious tradition in Cambodia, which is animism. And I would actually say that that's really the core of spirituality in Southeast Asia. Buddhism and Confucian ideology, these all came from outside the region. But most Cambodians, early Cambodians, were animists. And what I mean by that is they engage in spirit worship. Sometimes that's the spirits of trees. Sometimes that's the spirits of ancestors. Sometimes it's the Hungry Ghost Festival where the spirits are released from hell. And unless they are placated through special offerings, then they might harm us. And so this kind of interaction with the spirits, almost transactional interaction, is really the core of Cambodian spirituality. Fascinating. So that must mean a whole world of of new things for you to learn in the the context in which you're given to serve. Missionaries are learners before they are teachers. This is true. Indeed. Well, you're both given unique things to do in your callings where you're given to serve. Let's start with what you've been up to, Amy. What are the things that, that you've been given to do in your work in Cambodia? Sure. So I serve as the mercy manager for the Asia region, which means I work with partner churches, Lutheran, RSOs, registered service organizations, and our missionaries to plan and implement projects of mercy, both in Cambodia and across the region. And so sometimes that might mean that I travel with partners to the outermost provinces in Cambodia to do health seminars or workshops or visiting with our missionaries in other countries where they work to support them and equip their partners to better carry out the work that they've been given to do. So you get to do some travel as well. I know, Pastor, you travel as well. How does that work for when you both have travel schedules? Is that kind of (laughs) challenging to coordinate those schedules sometimes? Uh, I think that we've just gotten pretty good at Uh working out our schedules. So we alternate. Obviously, we have three children and somebody needs to be at home with them. So we always make sure to check with each other before we make plans. I wouldn't say that I travel all the time, mm-hmm. uh, but probably a few times in the year. And so we do just check with each other and make sure that somebody will be with our children. So communication is an important aspect in this relationship. It right? is. <laughs> Pastor, how about you? What have you been up to? Thanks for asking. So one of the challenges in Cambodia is not only evangelism, in other words, getting the message of Jesus out, but One of the key challenges in Cambodia is deepening people's faith. In other words, discipleship. We have many people who hear about Jesus, might even profess faith in Jesus, but then over time they fall away from the faith or they backslide into their previous religious practices. And so it's a great opportunity for local church leaders to come alongside of Christians and teach, whether it's basic Bible teaching or theology, whatever the case. But then some of those local leaders lack the resources or lack the time or expertise Mm -hmm. to do that. So one of the key things that I do is discipleship. Sometimes that's formal, 
where a pastor in a community out in the villages might invite me to come and do some teaching. Maybe that's on the basics of worship. Maybe that's Luther's small catechism. And then other times, the teaching that I can do might be very informal, where I meet with somebody over coffee and we work through a book of the Bible, or I'm meeting with a small group and we're working through law and gospel. Really, the basics, the, 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 the core of it is just helping local Christians understand who they are as Christians and what it means to live as a Christian in the context of 21st century Cambodia. And that's a work in progress when Christians are only at 2% of the population at most. Tell us about the partners that you get to work with mm. in doing this work of teaching and, and supporting. Yeah, we're thrilled to work with the Cambodia Lutheran Church, which is a an association of about 25 or so congregations spread out throughout the country. Now, I use that word congregation somewhat lightly because these congregations might not look like congregations that our listeners would be used to. They don't always have church buildings. I went to one place last year that met under a tree because they've grown so much that they don't have a, a building that is large enough to house them. It's a great problem to have. And so we had church right there under a tree. Other congregations meet in rented space. Very few actually are able to meet in purpose-built churches. And so these these congregations spread out throughout all the country. And when I take the time, and not just me, but other partners, when we take the time to go to these locations and spend time with them, getting to know them, working with them, learning from them, praying with them. It's a big deal because they are in parts of the country where it's very difficult access. It's easy for them to feel lonely and like they're not really a part of anything. And so when we go there, we communicate to them that we care for them and they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And so we do spend a lot of time getting out of the city to these far-flung reaches of Cambodia. Now, we talked about the alphabet being mm -hmm. the longest in the world. What about language and learning language in order to, to interact with those you support and those you serve, those you teach? How's that been coming along? It, it's coming along. That's exactly <laughs> the way to say it. It never stops coming along. I think missionaries are lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. People always say, when did you become fluent? Nobody ever truly becomes fluent in the sense that you could be mistaken for a local. That takes decades, if, if at all. And so even though we're five years into our time in Cambodia, we continue to learn the language. And they say that you make a million mistakes, and that's just your first year. And so we have story after story of just crazy mistakes that we made. I remember... In our previous field of service, I one time wanted to tell my wife that I loved her very much, and I accidentally said, I love many women. <laughs> Oops. Oops, exactly. <laughs> Fortunately, we're still married, uh, but these are the mistakes that you make, and you just have to laugh. If you don't have a sense of humor with yourself, it's going to be a very frustrating time. <laughs> Now, you mentioned you've been serving in this field for about five years. That's right. That means that part of that time was impacted by global pandemic. How are things looking post-pandemic? Well, our children are back in school. So they've been back. All three of them have been in school now for a year and a half, which is a relatively short time when you consider the number of years that we were affected by the mm -hmm. pandemic. But 
quite significant in that after living for two years with all of the children, online schooling and all of the adjustments that we made as a family, it's just been wonderful to start to see things coming back to a somewhat normal routine, which of course frees JP and I up to be more engaged with our partners and doing the ministry that we've been called to do. So we're really thankful for that. We're grateful for the opportunities that we had during COVID to connect with our team on Zoom, even though it wasn't the same as being together in person, that we were sort of able to use that time to build up education and communication so that now we're better equipped to serve in the roles that we've been called to. We are learning about the Lord's work in the kingdom of Cambodia with JP and Amy Sima. We will continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. Today, we are learning about the Lord's work in the kingdom of Cambodia. Our guests, JP and Amy Sima, who've been serving there for about approximately five years. Now, before we went to break, Amy, you were talking a little bit about how life has uh, changed a little bit since since the pandemic and how the kids are back in school and gives you a little more freedom as well for both of you to continue serving in the ways that, that you've been given to serve there. Talking about kids going back to school makes me think about family life, and we were talking about schedules and things like that earlier. What does daily family life look like? What is, and how does that all work with? I, I know there's not one typical day necessarily, but what does daily family life look like for the Sema family in in Phnom Penh? Right. For sure. Yes, you are correct in that there is no typical day. <laughs> As I mentioned, we have three children, so. The day begins by everybody getting up and having breakfast and getting ready out the door for school. For my work on any given day, it could involve meeting with local partners or working on projects or grants for the region, participating with our regional management team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of the role that I've taken on in the last few years is more intentional focus on care for our missionaries and how we provide support for all of the people who serve across the region. So whether planning a regional gathering or continuing education opportunities, I've been involved in some of those things as well. I also volunteer as the president of the parent support organization at our children's school. So sometimes it means helping to support Uh teachers and make connections with new families coming. What does it mean for you? What does daily life look like for you, dad? Well, our kids do go to school in the morning, and sometimes that's on the back of a motorbike. Sometimes that's on a tuk-tuk, which is like a three-wheel motorized cart that's covered on the top but open air. And then they come home in the afternoon 
We like to, you know, in our free time, we like to take, my son especially likes to go on hikes. Living in the concrete jungle of Phnom Penh, that's a difficult thing to find, green spaces, but not too far from Phnom Penh, we can get out and do some of those sorts of things. And then, you know, like any other family, we enjoy sometimes watching movies, playing games, things like that. Living in the city, we do have access to those luxuries that, that many people have here in the United States as well. As far as my work realities, yeah, every day is different. Sometimes I'm getting up at 5 a.m. and hitting the road to drive to a village that's three hours away where I'll do a full day of teaching and then back to Phnom Penh by the evening. Other days are really boring and I sit on a computer and I do prep or I'm writing emails. There's nothing exciting about that at all. Most days are somewhere in between. I, love, I do a lot of coffee meetings with our youth group, trying to pour into their lives, sometimes answering questions, giving advice, sometimes even confession and absolution when people have had moral failures, just trying to do what I can to be salt and light in the, um, the lives of these youth, which, again, a large proportion of the Cambodian population is young people. Hmm. Now, I've been doing my homework and reading some of your updates on, on your family website and seeing that you've got in some travel as well. And I see a few pictures of food. So I have to ask always about food, some of your favorite foods that you've discovered in Cambodia, and then maybe some from other places around Southeast Asia as well. Who wants to start with that? Who like, Pastor wants to talk about food. <laughs> well, when, I mean, are we talking about food that people would want to eat or are we talking about weird foods? <laughs> food my, that you like to eat. So mm. my, in Cambodia, my favorite is probably fish amok, which it's usually some kind of fish that comes from the Tonle Sap, which is the largest river in Cambodia. And then they make a really wonderful coconut curry, almost soup that they put it in. It's really wonderful. It's a classic Cambodian dish. But then there's the weird things too. When I go out and do some teaching in the villages, I remember there's this one pastor who, to provide for his family while he pastors his church, he raises crickets. And so when we go and teach in his area, he brings a plate of stir-fried crickets for everyone to enjoy. Protein. Yeah. It is wonderful protein. <laughs> and you would be astonished to know that they're not that bad. That's among the crazy things I've eaten. The crickets are the easiest. Others have not been so easy. Oh, like what? Well, there was the live coconut worm, which I, again, was still squirming when I put it in my mouth. But Ant egg salsa. Yes, there was the ant egg salsa, scorpions, tarantulas, intestines. I don't want our listeners to stop listening, so I'll, I'll stop now. <laughs> but uh, th th those are the weird things. Of course, there's any number of wonderful foods mm -hmm. in Southeast Asia. I think for us, Vietnamese food is certainly a highlight, just wonderful fresh vegetables, all kinds of varieties, great stir-fried noodle dishes, noodle soup dishes. We also enjoy Japanese mm -hmm. food, including our children. JP studied in Japan during college, and so Japanese food has always been kind of part of our family favorites as well. And fortunately, since we live in the capital city, we have so many options available to us that we're able to eat things from all different cultures. What's your favorite, Amy, that you've hmm. in Cambodia? I also enjoy Japanese food. Favorite Khmer food? Fish amok is probably up there for me. And there's another one called beef lokla. So it's cubed beef in a sauce that is kind of savory and has a bit of tomato. And then it's eaten with rice and sometimes a fried egg and maybe a bit of soup on the side. Mm. 
Sounds delicious. So food is always an important part of, of family life, but what does that mean for culture as well? Is, is food a, an important part of meeting together with others as well? You mentioned the, the pastor that you meet with, bringing crickets to eat. Is food an important part of when you get together with others? Absolutely. Uh, food is certainly a, or the table, I should say, is certainly a place where relationships are built and maintained. Asian cultures in general, and certainly Cambodia specifically, are collectively oriented. And so time spent with people face-to-face at a table, it's not just fun and happy and friendly, although it is that. It is also where you are doing work, so to speak. Relationships are almost like currency in Cambodia. Who you know and how well you know them matters when you're trying to get things done. And so taking the time to host a meal or go to a meal and have that FaceTime with people over a table can actually be a benefit sometimes in ways that you didn't expect later when you realize, oh, I have this connection with this person and they can help me with something. So taking the time to build those relationships at meals is absolutely critical. Anything to add to that? I would just say for for the sake of the gospel, it's also similar when we have youth group on Sunday, Saturday nights, we have a meal first mm. People are coming and cooking together sometimes, eating together, and then staying to study God's Word. And so having that meal, as JP said, is part of what's building the relationship and bringing everyone together in a fun way. You're home on home service right now. Where does that take you in the next couple of weeks? Where I, I assume there will be some congregations you'll be visiting. Oh, yes. <laughs> we have been all over. So actually, uh, this stop in St. Louis is a part of a larger stretch of travel, which has seen me go to California to go to Eugene, Oregon. I was also in near Colorado Springs, Colorado in Canyon City. We've also been all over Iowa and Nebraska, visiting many different congregations there. And then here we are in St. Louis. And from St. Louis, we'll be headed east to Virginia, which is our home base. And there's a number of congregations in and around Virginia that we'll be visiting. And yeah, what a joy it is. Uh, We are missionaries in Cambodia, but we can't do that without the many people who pray for us and support us. And so getting into those congregations, shaking those hands, and getting to share with people in person the work that they've enabled us to do for the sake of the gospel is always a joy. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I understand the rest of the family will be joining you at some point on, on home service as well, right? They are currently at home with grandparents enjoying those precious moments. But mm-hmm. then when we are on the East Coast, they'll travel with us. Man, what, I, I'm sure that's such a special time for them to get to have time with Grandma and Grandpa. Hmm. While they're while they're here in the states, probably don't get to do that a lot when when back at home in Cambodia. Huh? Very true. Mm-hmm. It is one of the largest sacrifices I would say that missionaries make. We, there's a wonderful benefits of being a missionary, mm-hmm. but certainly being apart from family is one of the hardest parts. Mm-hmm. And so we've tried to be intentional about getting to see grandparents when we can, and also our grandparents have been great actually about getting out to see us. Wow. And we've been thankful that. Over our 15 years in Asia, we've had both sets of parents visit multiple times. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, thanks be to God for that. Mm -hmm. And how can we stay informed on the Lord's work in Cambodia and follow what's going on with the Sima family? 
We would love for you to go to our photo blog. We have a family photo blog at www.cimafam.com. You can learn about what we do. There's pictures, there's videos. You can also sign up for our newsletter, and there's a link to do that on the blog. We would love to send you our monthly e-newsletter, and you can stay connected with what God is up to halfway around the world. Very good. Anything else to report? Anything new or what lies ahead in the the coming year for the Lord's work in Cambodia or the SEMA family? Just continuing to do what we can to be salt and light for the gospel in Cambodia. Again, being a missionary is not about the big things that get done once and for all. It's about a thousand small decisions and a thousand small things over many, many years. And that's always been our approach. And so we're going to continue to plug away until the Lord tells us to do otherwise. My guests today, JP and Amy Sima, serving the Lord in the kingdom of Cambodia. Thank you both for being my guests on The Coffee Hour and spending some time with me today. Thank Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.